Yes, folks, it's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, which this means this has to be. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pillars of Franchising. We're here with uh, Jerry today to start us off. Um, our fearless leader, Kristen, is uh, homesick with COVID, so we want to give her well wishes. And uh, I'm just going to just claim that I did not give it to her, being a thousand miles away. <laughs> but you would, it seems like I should have probably given it to her since I had it two weeks ago. Oh, so you got to put up with me today, Elizabeth. I'm sorry, but I'll try and do a, a reasonable job of filling in with, for Kristen. Well, I think you've got some, some big shoes to fill, but you can do it. I have every confidence. <laughs> well, you and I have a great subject to talk about on uh, Word on the Street today. I am blown away by this. Well, and I also will not take credit for this, even though it's in my uh, home state. Uh, I live in Alabama, as most of you know, and came across an article that we just had to share um, so we're going to call this what's in a name, um, but Orange Beach, Alabama, this is right along the Gulf Coast near Gulf Shores, is uh, the mayor is complaining about the name of a, a franchise location that's coming down there soon called Badass Coffee, um, and it's just horrified that there is a word in there that could be construed as, as, as a bad word, I guess. <laughs> well, and it's really crazy. I mean, uh, when you're a franchise system, you want to have a name that reaches out and catches people's attention and bring, bring them in. So something like this is great marketing, right? But then when you break it down, as you mentioned, Chris, uh, excuse me, not Kristen, Elizabeth, um, <laughs> the name comes from Hawaii. And yeah. it comes from the, the mules, the donkeys that carried the beans down the mountain. And they're known as asses. So therefore, bad ass coffee, right? Right. So, the fact that the mayor and a city council person, a uh, city council member called it heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't they have bigger things in Orange Beach to worry about than the name of a coffee shop? One would think, but I, I do find it amusing. The mayor is specifically saying this, this cheapens our, our Orange Beach brand and community and don't, don't frequent this coffee shop. Um, and as we were talking about before we got on air, this is probably going to backfire because all they're doing is giving them attention and publicity. And I personally hope that people flock to Badass Coffee and buy them up right off the bat. Um, I just think that it's, it's unfortunate that a local politician would try to diminish a company before they even open the door. And from our pillar's perspective, helping potential franchisees and new franchisees, She's got to be really heartbroken about having this, you know, even if it does backfire on the mayor, it's still casting her in a negative light before she even opens her doors, and it's probably invested a lot of her savings or her, or her resources into this. You stop and think about this, and you're exactly right. It's somebody that's proud of their community and wants to bring a new business to the community, create a lifestyle for themselves, perhaps, and has done a great job of researching it, picking something that's really unique amongst all the plain vanilla coffee shops that are out there, this one stands out. And then to have 
the leaders of the community she's in, where she's trying to bring business to the community, try and kind of take the rug out from under and steal it away. It's, uh, it's crazy, and uh, you and I both know we need to do what we can to try and get as many people to buy coffee from her. So I'll be singing her praises everywhere I go for the next few weeks. Absolutely, and the next time I go down to the beach, I will make a point to stop in her shop whenever it's open. The nice thing is the franchisor, they did get a quote from the franchisor that just said, it's a local business owner putting her savings into opening this location. We are the franchise brand, but this is, she, she's the one investing in the community and bringing jobs and bringing you know, revenue to the community. So uh, everybody needs to keep that in mind. If you're in Alabama, go visit Badass Coffee at Orange Beach. <laughs> then send us a note and tell us that you did it. We'll put your name on the air. <laughs> and that is the word on the street today, Elizabeth. That is the word on the street. And before we get to our guest panel, which is gonna be a really fun and exciting show, I'm gonna remind everyone to call in with questions. We've got some great guests today uh, that are filled with information. So if you have questions for our guests, you can call in to 323-580-5755. Up next, let's get our panel on the air. Great. And here they are. So if you guys will all unmute. Um, what we'd like to do, this is, this is going to talk, we're talking today with franchise suppliers and people who are in support in the franchise industry. So what I'd like to do is let all of you um, give a brief intro of who you are and what you do. And then we're just going to dive right in to asking questions and getting some great information out for our audience. So, Paul, why don't you tell us who you are first? Wonderful. Uh, and, and thanks for this opportunity, Elizabeth and Jerry and everyone. Glad to be here with you today. I'm Paul Rocchio um, with the International Franchise Association. Uh, I wash the windows and clean the floor here at IFA. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm the vice president of uh, development and member services. So, I like to say, um, you know, we're a nonprofit organization. I like to say I'm the for-profit of the nonprofit. I bring in all the money so everybody else that I pay could spend it. Um, but it's all about recru recruitment and retention uh, in my world over here at IFA. Great. Thank you. And I'm sure they appreciate that they're not the ones having to do that. <laughs> That's a tough job. Uh, Matt, you want to go next? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll echo the same. Thank you for, for the opportunity and having me. Um, so Matt Goble, I am a CEO and founder of Woven. The platform that helps uh, franchisees, multi-unit operators consolidate all their workplace and workforce management under under one platform instead of having multiple systems to do so. Uh, but I've been in the franchising industry and space for close to 15 years now. I've uh, been on the vendor side for all those 15 years, held some C-level suites on the franchisor side, and I'm also a multi-unit franchisee as well. So um, just happy to be here. Thank you. All right, Justin. Hi there. Great to be here, guys. My name's Justin Mink. I teach, facilitate, coach leadership teams on how to use a simple set of proven practical tools called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or EOS, to help run, their, run a better business, live a better life. Lots of people are familiar with the book Traction. I'm a CFE. I'm also a franchisee. EOS is a franchise system, so it's um, poetic. I thought the universe was telling me something when I learned that EOS is a franchise. I'm, I come from a long background with a couple big digital marketing suppliers, uh, leading the franchise teams there, working with thousands of franchisees, hundreds of franchisors, and ran EOS at a small startup, and it transformed the business, transformed our lives. So thrilled to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, thank you all for being here. We're very excited to have you. Um, we want to thank Andrea Mundy for setting this panel up. She uh, couldn't be with us today, but did a great job putting you guys together and, and uh, getting you on here. So um, as we get started, I think one of the questions that just for basic knowledge, we have an audience that's, that's filled with a lot of 
potential franchisees and newer franchisees. So how would you describe the difference between the supplier-franchisor relationship and the supplier-franchisee relationship? And how do you as suppliers navigate the different parties within the brand? And uh, if anybody wants to just go first, just jump right in or raise a finger so that we don't talk over each other. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll start if you don't mind, Elizabeth. I think Absolutely. I love this question because Woven, we, we do get to work with both sides. And for my previous slide, um, you know, first, I think a lot of misconception if you're outside the franchise world is that, oh, you know, it's, it's a brand and fill in any brand here. I know we have Jerry's, it's greatness, right? Oh, it's greatness, right? Um, and, and, you know, it's just, it, it, consumers look at that as one company, but in reality, a franchisor and a franchisee are running completely different businesses. So when you're a supplier serving franchisors or suppliers serving franchisees or both, you have to understand that they're, they're different businesses. They have different problem sets. They're worrying about different things. They have different needs. Um, and so I would say that it's foundational at that point. And, and as you're a franchisee coming into this, if you're new into franchising, is, you know, you're definitely going to be on that operation side, right? You got tactical day-to-day -day in the weed stuff. Um, you got hourly employees. You're worried about if you're, team is going to show up for their shift if they're going to be on time and what's leaking and calling your landlord. You got those kinds of problems and franchisors are dealing with, I would say, more macro problems. Uh, that's I would, I would just sum that up is first they're just acknowledging that these are, these are two different types of businesses operating underneath one brand. And it's kind of beauty of franchising, but not to get down that rabbit hole, but um, definitely serving different audiences with different problem sets. I'll, I'll add to that and say it is as a supplier, it is, it is an ideal situation when, when a supplier team is working with the franchisor that is uh, rolling or deploying a program out or testing a program to support franchisees and truly has the best interests of the franchisees at heart. Because, and it's really a joy and it's a lot of fun to, to help uh, devise, craft, build, deploy, and sustain solutions that align those interests and connect those dots in a way that adds values for all stakeholders. And so a lot of times you're kind of, your supplier, excuse me, is in a little bit of a delicate situation as the kind of intermediary between those two parties, but also help to kind of um, unlock innovation at the franchisee level. Franchisees have ideas within a framework of compliance and brand standards that, so it's, it's, there's a lot of joy there and a lot of fun in terms of innovating and creating programs that serve the interests of all parties. And you know, a franchisor has, is, is, has their heart in the right place when they're really committed to doing so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more if I could add, you know, within IFA, our membership is franchisors, franchisees, and suppliers. It's, you know, the, what we refer to as the th three-legged stool of franchising. And you can't have a balanced stool without, without three solid legs. And, from my perspective, and I work closely with, with you know, you know all three verticals within our our membership. Uh, you know, we have 600 supplier supplier members, 1,200 franchisors, you know, 10,000 plus franchisee members, and you know, we have many supplier members who just want to play in the franchisee space. We have some that just want to play in the franchisor space, or some that play in both spaces. And and it's you know it's really unique and interesting. Uh, you know, especially the ones that you know, play in the franchisee space and without getting into, you know, the whole joint employer issue, but there's, you know, you know, there's so many things that, you know, franchisors may have provided to their franchisees, you know, 
10 plus years ago. And because of joint employer now, they're afraid to do anything or they always have to consult their attorney. And so there's, you know, there's supplier vendor folks out there that are providing certain services that the franchisor is very happy to be able to, you know, have that person and that company and that widget, if you will, to be able to just say, hey, franchisees, you know, this is an excellent company, please utilize them. Because it, again, it, it removes them from any kind of, you know, potential joint employer issue, if you will. And, and I've just been, you know, since that, you know, reared its ugly head about 10 years ago, um, you know, I've just been seeing that a lot more within our existing supplier membership or even with potential new supplier members. It's just uh, kind of interesting. Well, and well, that, that question is on our list. Gary, I'll let you guys just say it, but I wanted to just expound for those potential franchisees who don't understand what joint employer is. Would you just give a really brief definition of what that conflict is so that someone coming in as a new person might have a better understanding of what you're talking about? Sure. And, you know, I'm, I always like to say I'm a recovering lobbyist because I am. I just got fed up with it years ago and but fell in love with franchising. So I've been, you know, didn't think I was going to hang my hat here for 23 years, but but here I am. Um, so with that said, yeah, joint employer, um, you know, you've got, you know, I'll, if I could say it concisely, uh, really the, you know, you've got the unions and primarily the SEIU and, you know, they're seeing their coffers dwindling. They have a heck of a lot more money than we do. And, you know, they're going after, you know, they're going after the service sector and primarily the franchise sector because franchising is so dynamic and, 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 you know, it's a, you know, it's a huge, you know, cog in the economic engine in the U S and globally. And so they're, they're trying to, you know, unionize uh, employees of franchisees and what they're trying to do is, and, and again, like, Nobody understands, you know, the franchise model, and we're continually educating, uh, you know, legislators, even the general public, even employees of franchise systems that, you know, what franchising is, and that it's, you know, you know, 300 different verticals, 300 different businesses that all use the business format franchise model as a as a means of expansion and, and growth. And so right now, you've got folks out there that are are trying to, you know, dismantle franchising. And they're trying to say that, you know, franchisors are, are directly connected with their franchisees and they're responsible for hiring and firing and setting wages and providing benefits for the employees of their franchisees. And we all know in franchising, that is not the case at all. You know, the franchisee, like, you know, focused on, 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 on badass coffee. I mean, you know, you know, we're doing this open for opportunity campaign. And right now we're in Baltimore. We've you know, been in Miami, we've been in Atlanta, we've been in Richmond, and we're educating, you know, mayors, local officials, members of Congress on the power of franchising. And, you know, I would, you know, I, I jot it down. We've got to go to Alabama now and do an OFO down there to, you know, educate these folks on, you know, this is a, you know, somebody in your backyard, you know, you know, their kids probably go to school with your kids, you know, they're local and they're providing local jobs. This person has, you know, is going to be able to realize the American dream by being their, you know, their own boss, being an uh, owner operator of a badass coffee. And here's a local official, the mayor is like, is destroying this person's dream or trying to destroy this person's dream. As we all know, you know, you know, bad PR is good PR. And I hope everybody floods this, 
you know, this, this location, right? But it's, you know, so at the end of the day, um, you know, franchisors, as we all know, you know, franchising is a relationship business. And, you know, when somebody's new and they invest in a franchise, the reason why they do it is because they want to invest in a proven concept. They may not want to create, you know, they're not a true entrepreneur in a sense. They don't want to, you know, create something on their own, but they want to invest, you know, in a franchise, you know, again, a proven concept. But again, you're doing that because you're going into business for yourself, but not by yourself. And you've got the support of the franchise system, the franchise world, but also the support of all the franchisees in the system to help you be, be successful. But at the end of the day now, uh, you know, it's that franchisee, that owner operator who's responsible for hiring folks, setting wages, you know, providing benefits to those franchisees. And the franchisor has you know, nothing to do with that. And we've got you know, these bad actors out there, they're trying to say that, you know, you know, franchising is really big business. And, and these, you know, these franchisees really aren't owner operators. They're nothing but glorified managers. And, and we're having to, you know, educate folks that that's not the case. These, you know, these franchisees are actually, they own and operate their own business. Elizabeth, you didn't know how wound up you were going to get Paul by having him fill that in. I have a feeling, I but I think you. it's important in, in terms of public education to understand that. I tend to ramble a lot, Elizabeth. Cut me off <laughs> whenever you want, please. That was, yeah. that was a great explanation. I just want to point out with this great, these great panelists, um, as, a, as a multi-unit, multi-brand um, franchisee, you know, there's a big difference because all of them touched on some great points. You know, uh, most franchisors give you of suggested suppliers. And there are some of them that are suggested and some of them that are mandated. So the ones that are mandated are very specific to the brand. You have to stick with those. The ones that are suggested as a franchisee, you have some flexibility. Maybe you can go some other direction, maybe a local supplier or something like that. But following the suggestions of the franchisor is critical to your success. We have too many problems in franchising where People buy a franchise and then go off the reservation, and when they don't succeed, you know, it's the franchisor's fault instead of their own for going their other their other direction. Circling with our uh, two of our great panelists and the other one, and suddenly said, Paul brought up some good points in that there's been a whole new growth of supplier opportunities because of joint employer and some of the other things going on at the governmental level. Um, because first off, uh, you know, we need people that are organized, Justin, with EOS. That's a great way to help finalize some of the ways that you're handling things so that you stay within, uh, within reason for what you're supposed to be following. Uh, Matt, having platforms that consolidate everything, that's great. Uh, and, and I know from experience, going back to what Paul said, um, many franchisors are not helping much with human resources or training or any of those benefits, any of those kinds of things anymore because they're scared to death of joint employer and them being held accountable. So having great suppliers like those that we've got on the show is critical to franchising and also at some level makes being a franchisee much simpler than it was in the old days. So that's my little two cents to kind of wrap this all up. So I'll turn it back to you, Elizabeth. And, and, and building on that, one of the things I wanted to ask you both, all of you about, but particularly Matt and Justin too, is how a supplier can set themselves up to support franchisees in the most effective ways and what you think a critical factor or two is for a positive relationship between supplier and franchisee. 
Yeah, I want to thank Jerry for stealing my question. Uh, so uh, you took about two minutes longer than I, I would have taken to ask that question. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I think I think a supplier can, uh, in a lot of cases, especially when a franchisor sort of recommends or suggests or there has an approved supplier list. There's no direct fiduciary relationship between the supplier and the franchisor. But the franchisor has a lot of influence as far as suggesting, approving, providing, marketing, co-branding, giving that four more stage. And so I think the supplier can provide an a amazing amount of value by understanding the constraints and the guidelines, the guardrails of what brand compliance looks like while while freeing or unlocking the innovation and creativity of the franchisees and 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 understanding where that wiggle room is so the franchise the supplier can say okay i have my guidelines i understand what they are i know how to protect the brand now i can go to each franchisee and within those within those guardrails allow them a certain amount of flexibility and as i start to see especially if the supplier has transparency into performance at the local level once you get 10 20 30 40 50 franchisees on the platform you start to see the, the signals through the noise and start to identify the successes and failures. And then the supplier can go back to the franchisor and say, hey, guess what? We see this particular tactic or strategy working. This isn't. We're continuing to sharpen our knives and creating a program that, while staying compliant, still is getting better at serving the interests of your franchisees, creating more royalties, more revenue. So when a supplier can serve both parties that way and really help with innovation, while maintaining standards, it's a win-win-win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Matt, you want to say on that? Hey, Greg, before you go into that, let's let's get Matt's perspective on that. Yeah, I, w I would. Uh, I'd echo everything Justin said. I, I think that when I'm it, obviously the cross-pollination of best practice ideas, I think a vendor has a very unique role to play within the space. Um, it, within the within the the con confines of our duties to keep certain things confidential, and of course, all of that being said, um, you know, there's there's something about uh, the perspective that a good supplier partner, a true partner, can bring uh, both to franchisees, cross pollinating best practices uh, amongst franchisees, uh, but also uh, between brands, right? Um, and, and nothing proprietary, of course, and anything like that. So much as is just technology is always evolving. I'm in the technology space, so you know, bringing new innovative technologies that that help all and, and make things more efficient, reduce manager burnout, and those kinds of things are, you know, they're just agnostic. They go across. Um, one of the things that I would mention as a as a specifically speaking, not so much to the franchise or franchisee angle of this, but specifically if you're going to serve franchisees, and in, in, when I say serve, I mean it in like the truest sense of um, like servitude. In, in like you true you're a partner you're trying to help them is you have to embrace and understand that largely speaking franchisees are like you know they're they're like running around like they're on fire um and and so uh there is there is a, a level and i i actually i have this conversation a, a variant of it <laughs> maybe not as pc with my team when i'm bringing somebody new on which is that like you have to understand like they're in the thick of it, right? Especially a smaller franchisee with one, two, few locations, like they're getting hit from every side. This is probably a new experience for them. 
they're overwhelmed and they're they're just looking for solutions, right? And if if you're a truly good partner, you're going to slow down to listen and figure out what that is and figure out how you can provide them a solution, not just like, well, here's here's our playbook, here's what the brand told me to do, this is what it is, and move on, trying to get in and out as quickly as you can, but really truly embracing the fact that, you know, I, I always tell my team, like, they're on fire, and we have water, so figure out how to get back to them, um, and it may not always be in the same way, um, so anyways, that's the one little thing I would add to that is, is just re respecting and understanding the life of a franchisee uh, and, and what that means and what that is. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and I think everybody's kind of touched a little bit on that, is uh, whether the supplier or vendor is, or the, the Z or the Zor, that supplier or vendor needs to be vetted. And what I mean by that is you can have a supplier or a vendor who is not commutative. So if you have an issue, whatever the product is, you can't get a hold of that person. And uh, you can pay a few pennies more on something and have great service. So that's one of the things that, and who does the vetting? If you're uh, uh, an owner like myself, you know, and you're told you have to use a certain supplier, do you know that the supplier has been vetted? You know, you really don't. So that's- and if, and if I could add, I mean, you know, granted I'm biased, you know, I like to think all IFA members are the cream of the crop. and. And um, I like to think our supplier members are, are obviously the cream of the crop. But I will say that, you know, um, when a supplier member, when I'm on the phone with a prospective supplier member, and and it's obvious to me that they either have a, a couple of clients already or they have a background in franchising, immediately, you know, I just have a sense of comfort because they understand the business format franchise model. They understand the, you know, we all know franchising is a relationship business. But, you know, if, if a supplier already already understands that and gets it, it just makes it, you know, it makes things so much easier. And um, and, it may, and I feel better, you know, about betting in, in a sense, you know, um, you know, I just uh, it just makes me feel better to be able to, you know, bring them on board as a member and then and then making them available to, you know, to all of our all of our members. Um, it just, you know, kind of gives me a sense of uh, of relief, I guess. Um, because as we all know, even, you know, there's, unfortunately, there's bad actors. There's always going to be bad actors. Um, that's why you can't have franchising without, without attorneys. Uh, <laughs> no offense for, but, but true. I mean, it, you know, it's just, it is what it is, right? Absolutely. And, and to build a little bit on that, Paul, in terms of being a franchisee, um, as you educate them through the IFA and other uh, educational opportunities, what are some advantages of a franchisee seeing the relationship with their supplier as, as it is equally important to the relationship with a franchisor? That is a really good question. I mean, at the end of the day, there are certain things that the franchisee Again, getting back to the whole joint employer thing that, you know, the franchisee is not always going to get these days from their franchisor. But again, you know, you're by becoming a franchisee, you're going into business for yourself, but not by yourself. So, yeah, you're still going to get that support from the franchisor. At the end of the day, it's all about, you know, you know, as long as I've been here, you know, one of the key issues is, is, you know, on the franchisor side, it's all about fran dev. That's the lifeblood of, of a franchise system on the franchisee side, you know. 
what the franchisor wants. It's all about unit level economics and, and local store marketing. And, and so, you know, the franchisor, you know, they want that franchisee to be successful. They want people coming in, you know, coming into the, you know, through the front door, if it's a brick and mortar, or if it's a service related franchise, they want, you know, they want that franchisee, you know, in the people's homes, you know, whatever. But, you know, so of course that, you know, if there are certain, you know, services that, that, you know, the franchisee is going to be getting from a supplier. Yeah. They want to be able to work with somebody who understands franchising. And I think either Matt, you may have said this earlier, or, or, or maybe it was you, Justin, that they're also going to be able to provide them because they could be working with other systems as well. So they're going to be able to provide them with, you know, Hey, you know, it, you know, with these other franchisees I work with, you know, this franchise system does things a little bit differently than you. You might want to learn about this and bring it back to your system. And that's, you know, and, that, and that's the main reason why franchisees belong, you know, to IFA because they get to network with other franchisees from other systems and they learn from those friends. You know, they, they all learn from one another. And, and, you know, so again, on the supplier side, um, you know, you know, it, it's interesting. I, a couple of questions came up this week from one of my colleagues who's fairly new on my team. And, and he was wondering, because a question came up to him, you know, you've got a multi-unit, multi-branded franchisee. Are they supposed to use like a different CRM or a different POS system because, you know, they operate, you know, three different franchise brands from different systems. I'm like, when it comes to a POS, you know, uh, you know, it's my understanding. Yes. But when it comes to, you know, you know, an internal CRM system, they can pretty much use what they want to, to manage their business. But there are certain things that, you know, they have to use whatever the franchisor tells them to use, even if it's, you know, they're operating, you know, three different systems, which it, it, to me, it just seems like there's got to be a way to kind of streamline that. that. And I'll, I'll defer to, you know, to some of you that you know, probably, you know, you know, nor, know more about that, that than I do. But, um, you know, leading up to this, you know, you know, today, I was thinking, my gosh, I mean, there are so many, you know, issues out there that I'm not even aware of, or that don't come up from, you know, as frequently as they, they do our, you know, came up, you know, five years ago, and I've totally forgotten about it. But, um, but I just thought that was, you know, I reached out to a couple of folks, and they were like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to use three different POS systems or four different POS systems. I'm like, how do you manage that? It just seems crazy to me. Because then they're also having to deal with three or four different vendors, right? Um, and that's got to be a challenge for a franchisee. Well, and Jerry, to me, this might be a question you may be able to answer or speak to a little bit because you have more more than one brand. You have Great Clips and you have the joint, and they're completely different businesses. But is that something that you have encountered as a as a challenge? Yeah, at, right now at this point in time, you have no choice but to use whatever the franchisor calls out because they are unique in many ways. And uh, you know, in my case, we're dealing with healthcare on one side, so there's some HIPAA things that you have to worry about, some privacy issues. So I don't know, maybe Matt's got some ideas since she's kind of bringing some things together through technology, but um, that is for, uh, what do they call us, Mumbas, I think is what they call us, <laughs> multi-brand or yeah. something like yeah. that. And uh, for those like me that are adding on multiple brands and continuing to grow, this is a never-ending battle. There are some things you can consolidate, you know, our office supplies and things like that. You can go to one supplier that'll handle all of them, but POS and some of those very critical things I don't know if you can get around that, Matt. You got any ideas? 
Yeah, no, I think, I, I mean, this brings up a really good point. You know, we're having this like generic vendor supplier conversation within franchising, but I think it's important, especially as we get in these conversations, is understanding what is top down versus bottom up um, in these spaces, right? And so if you, if you back up, look at franchising, it's about the consistency, right? It's about delivering on that brand and guest experience at every location and all, not to give anybody here that everybody knows more about franchise than I do probably, but right. And in order to accomplish that, right, the brand, the franchisor must dictate certain things. And that predominantly comes into play with the point of sale almost every single time. Um, I actually can't think of a franchise system that I've ever worked with that allowed their franchisees to select their own point of sale at almost at 100% of the time, I'll just say safely to 100% of the time, I'm sure something exists out there, but, um, <laughs> you know, that is always going to be dictated because it's, it's a necessity, it's the core piece of the business. And then I also largely see marketing, right? Because that, that is that is the brand. I mean, the franchisors, uh, one of their primary um, purposes is to protect and grow the brand. And so they have to consolidate, they have to mandate, and they have to kind of push down from the top on those things. And so you, those are the common things I see very often is, is, you know, point of sale marketing tools are what come from top down, right? And, and so you'll see a lot of vendors and suppliers in the franchising space that play in the marketing and the point of sale game um, are, are franchise or heavy, um, you know, because that's where they need to start and be. Uh, and then there's a lot of other suppliers and partners that, you know, do things that, um either one side or the other or, or go across both. I mean, I know Paul brought up FranDev. I mean, there's like a library of tools out there for FranDev that obviously only talk to franchisors. Uh, but Jerry, to your point, you know, and where Woven plays is, is definitely on more of the franchisee and multi-unit, multi-brand franchisee space, which is all of your back office stuff. It's all that stuff you sweep under the rug and it's just like required to, to run the business. We jokingly call it the administrative. It's all that administrative trivial stuff. Stuff that you have to do to be in business, right? Like <laughs> compliance and all the checks and incidents and somebody cut themselves and, and all this other stuff that comes up in communications and scheduling and like, you know, that kind of stuff can is more of a, a, a top or I'm sorry, a bottom up, right? Because these are all solving problems and, and really focusing in on that franchisee, individual location decision, operator type stuff, how they want to run their business, what what are their preferences? Um, so yeah, sorry. I don't know if that answered your question necessarily, but I definitely view, uh, you know, those different segments and uh, areas of franchise uh, of the suppliers that, that serve this industry. Well, I, I think I one quick point to what Matt just said. There's there are, you know, you know, like what Woven provides. I I, I refer to it as kind of like a, a a feel good. You know, it's a feel good. You know, you're providing services. You know, at the franchisee level, that's going to make their job a lot easier, so they can focus on on driving revenue and unit level economics and and you know so it's just a you know it's a win-win for everybody at the end of the day and the franchisor is going to love that it's going to make things easier for the franchisee because they don't have to worry about that because they're getting that from you it's like a one-stop shop right yeah well and matt taking care of all the stuff most of us franchisees we want to do all the fun stuff you know the cool <laughs> stuff but we don't want to deal with all that crap at the bottom end of it so thank you for that matt Justin, I was going to bring something up with you that I think is, is I'm an ex-sales guy, so I think this is phenomenal. You know, as an as a EOS person, I'm seeing so many more franchisors using your systems within the corporate 
side of things. And it makes them very, very easy to suggest it for franchisees to use it within their large, their organizations, in particular, those of us that have, you know, quite a few units and stuff like that. So have you seen that being a, a really kind of a, kind of a nice symbiotic relationship between you and corporate and helping get franchisees started? Yeah, it, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. You know, EOS has been used uh, by corporate organizations at the franchisor level as an operating model and in a separate instance by franchisees in their own unique local business. But I'm actually working with a few different franchisors to create, to kind of um, develop and evolve the model so that franchisors can leverage EOS to support the goals and the growth of their franchisees. Because it's such a blind spot for franchisors who offer and have the best of intentions and offer amazing support along marketing and software and technology and buying collective buying power and all the good stuff franchisors do. But you have these owner-operator models where first-time business owners just don't have the fundamental knowledge on how to execute, clearly communicate, hold people accountable, align all parties to achieve a singular, a compelling, clearly articulated vision that everyone can buy into. So I'm working with a few different brands on how to leverage EOS, just like they leverage other forms of support as a means to educate and provide a framework that franchisees can then go use to execute within their business. So great question. It's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun because it's totally new and it's, it's, it's actually, I'm working with EOS corporate I'm the franchisee. I'm working with EOS Worldwide to help create that model. That's a great information. I was just kind of digesting all of that. Um, we are coming up to the end of our time. So what I'd like to do is give each of you an opportunity to let a, our audience know how to reach you, um, if they're interested in your particular services, um, or have any questions. So um, Matt, why don't you tell everybody what's the best way to get in touch with you or your company? Yeah, uh, can just uh, reach out on the website. So it's just startwoven.com, um, W-O-V-E-N, just woven like it sounds, .com, or uh, reach me at matt.gobel at startwoven.com. Right. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, be best way to find me is just LinkedIn. I'm okay. super active That's on great. it. Just look up Justin Mink and uh, and you'll find me there. And one, one of the values of EOS that I hold dear is help first. So if anyone has questions, want EOS materials, tools, Without any expectation or sales pitch, I, I am happy to help people in the franchise industry with anything EOS related. So please don't be shy. Perfect. Paul. Uh, you can always reach me at, uh, at franchise.org, IFA's website, or my email address, prockio at franchise.org. Sorry, it's not Smith, but it's uh, P-R-O-C-C-H-I-O at franchise.org. Perfect. Well, we want to thank all of you for coming on. I feel like we could have talked so much longer, um, so we'll definitely have to have you back. I think it's an important conversation, and it's something franchisees need to know more about before they sign on the dotted line. So we appreciate all of you taking the time to be with us today. If you have any questions for any of these guys, um, you can also look on our website. We'll, be, we'll have all their contact information under their guest profile. So coming up next, we're going to have Jerry and Ray doing a, a segment with Jerry. Be right back. Hey, Thanks. franchise owners. Thanks, everybody. How's your Bye, local guys. marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? 
Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y dot com. Hey, Ray. Hey, Jerry. So the question of the day is, why haven't you bought that franchise? And I, th I can think of a bunch of F words besides the word franchise, okay? And that's fear of family, fear of friends, fear of not having the funds. What do you think, Jerry? Oh, man. Those are all great ones, Ray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on those and a couple others, and then you filter back in because, you know, our, our fearless leader, uh, Fred, he always asks, is this a good time to become a franchisee? And the answer is pretty much always yes, right? Because uh, there's so many cool things going on in franchising, and, and I'll tell my story in a little bit. Some of you haven't heard it before, uh, but I lost a lot of time by waiting too long. So that's what I want to know, because there's lots of great things going on in franchising right now, and many potential franchisees don't follow it enough to really understand what's available. So one of the things you brought up, right, was funding. So right now, I can tell you of at least a half a dozen funding sources for franchisees that are begging to lend money to them right now as we speak. I can think of two of them that would that would probably trade some gooses and some some dinners and things like that to get you to sign up to uh, you know be part of their organization by borrowing money from them to buy your first franchise. So funding should not be an issue. And it's, uh, it's something people need to think about and talk about. And certainly there's a lot of resources out there about funding. So money is one of the first ones. Well, the second one, Ray, is which franchise? Because there's about 6,000 of them out there right now. Well, again, there's lots of tools that you can use to figure that stuff out, right? Whether it be uh, – one of the things I always think about is you should talk to the franchisors that you're interested in. You should talk to the franchisees that are a part of that. You can talk to us on pillars. There's all kinds of different things that you can do. Uh, one of the ways that I found my brands originally was to the Entrepreneur Top 500 subscription or, uh, magazine that comes out in January every year because it ranks some of the best ones that are out there and gives you a lot of, you know, ins and outs of why it's a good one or things you should ask about or whatever. So that's a really good uh, resource. And there's lots more out there. Uh, Mr. Google is one of the best resources right now, right? So Google some of those franchises, see what you can learn about them. You may be able to find out about success rates, uh, any issues with their, their branding or the way that they handle their franchisees. Um, many potential franchisees are worried they won't get enough support to be successful. Um, if you have boiled down your search to three or four that you are interested in, they're going to connect you with some of their franchisees, and that's a great question to ask them. What kind of support do you get from your franchisor? Do you think you get enough 
what would you like to see them give you that you currently don't get? And that'll prepare you as a potential franchisee. And, uh, and the thing that I would say, and I, I want to, I'm going to stop for a minute, Ray, because you look like you've got another question or something, and I want to make sure I give you time to talk too. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that uh, you begin to find out as you begin doing your research is and begin digging in, it will, your fears will subside, definitely will subside. Once you find out all the resources that you have available, and probably one of the biggest things is funding, and you real, begin to realize how you can leverage what you have into something much larger, and you need to set aside the things we will tell you. Because when I went to my family and friends and said, told them what I was going to do, basically they looked at me straight in the eye and said, are you nuts? <laughs> and I said, well, not yet, but I probably will be. You know? so, I, had some, I don't know. Did you run into any of that? <laughs> absolutely. You know, when, you, uh, when you've been running mechanical contracting companies your whole career and suddenly you get into the hair industry, people question your sanity, right? But the beauty of franchising is you don't necessarily need to know anything about the service or the product, and you can learn the things that you do need to know. You need to uh, be able to operate a good business. So great, great stuff there, uh, Ray. I really appreciate you bringing that up. And funding is the number one reason most people are scared. So what you brought up about leveraging, you know, you can leverage uh, any uh, retirement income that you put aside. You can leverage, you know, equity in your home. Uh, there's all kinds of things you do. The SBA is a great resource for franchise lending mm -hmm. through your local uh, lenders. So do not let lending slow down the process because there are options out there. Yes. And one of the last things that comes up is so many people get tied up, tied up in that what if thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what if I just got this from a potential franchisee I'm coaching the other day. What if we have a deeper recession? What if this hiring thing continues forever? You know, what if? And I go, well, well, what if neither of those things happen and you lose five years thinking about the fact they might have happened? That's right. The fact is, in small business and in particular franchising, because you've got such a great group of peers to work with, no matter what happens, everybody's going to be in the same boat. We're all going to be brainstorming to figure out how to be as successful as possible. So buying a franchise is the easiest, simplest, and most effective way to get into business. So don't get caught up in that, you know, dog-eat-dog -dog world of what if this and what if that. Yeah. Let it go. Find some resources. Again, Pillars is a great resource. I'm not beating the drum, but my book about franchising, Live It to Own It, is a great resource for potential franchisees. And one of the reasons this is so, so near and dear to my heart is I found franchising and was really engaged in trying to get into franchising 20 years before I actually did it. Mm. So I'm the living, breathing example of somebody who got tied up in what ifs and that got yeah. tied up in life and suddenly 20 years go by and you've missed 20 years of growing your brand and your and the most number of units and looking at the things you could have done for your family and for the families of your employees and stuff in that 20 years. So I want to try and help other people not go through that. So, you know, we are a resource. We want people to reach out to us and we're here when they want to talk about what brand, how to get into it and what are the, what are the things that they might run into. Right, Ray? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the kind of the same boat. I didn't get involved into, into this business uh, until I was in my mid fifties. And I'm sorry because 
my dad always said he was an entrepreneur. He says, you're never going to make any money unless you make it on your own. <laughs> and when he meant money, he meant, you know, more than a salary. But one other point I want to make, and there's nothing, and that is we're talking about uh, funds. There's nothing wrong with using other people's money. <laughs> and that's, you know, you can, you can get a lot further in business doing that. Well, Ray, OPM is <laughs> other people's money in my world. And that is, you know, we, we build our businesses on OPM because people want to lend money because that's how they make money. That's right. Borrowing money in a business is not necessarily as bad as some people perceive it to be because your interest is a write-off. So mm-hmm. once you pay that money back, you can move on. Uh, there, most places you borrow money, there are no prepayment penalties. Mm-hmm. So I coach my mentees to borrow as much as they need plus a percentage mm-hmm. for cash flow monies, what ifs, all of those kinds of things because you can become cash starved in a business too easily. So uh, making sure that you've got funding resources, making sure that your partner in funding understands the business so that they're ready to dive in a little deeper if you need to, whether it be buying somebody else out, adding another unit and uh, having to build it out, or even just cash flow money. So those are all critical things. And I would say, for Fred's sake, now is the perfect time to buy your first franchise, and we can help you every step of the way. So with that, I'm going to close out my segment for this week, Ray. Thank you very much. Thank you. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, We want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at franchiseshow247.com. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have call-in guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our million-dollar mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. Hello, Laura Liz. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Elizabeth? I'm good. Um, I'm excited about this segment on the show because I think um, we had a great conversation with the panel, but now we can get down into some nitty-gritty things about what potential franchisees may or may not be aware of and what they need to know about the the vendor-franchisee-franchisor relationship. So what kind of tips do you have for us related to what they need to know and how it works? Well, I would echo what, uh, you know, Jerry said first, you know, just a little bit ago, which is really important when, you know, you're doing your phone calls, okay, if one, it's important to do your phone calls to other existing franchisees, okay, when you're a prospect, but two, one of the questions, you know, or topics that you should be addressing is asking them about the technology, about the vendors, you know, all different kinds of things that are really critical um, to the franchise system, right? Um, in any business, whether it's franchised or not, so many things are provided by third parties, right? You know, like I, we're all we're, we are recording this on the Zoom platform right now. We don't make Zoom. Zoom is an outside technology that we are all able to use, right? But what if, let's say that the the franchisor requires you to use something else, right? You need to know that. 
Um, and so it's not that using any kind of vendor or supplier is necessarily bad or that the franchisor should be providing it all themselves. Um, but as a franchisee prospect, you really want to know that the other franchisees who are already living with it, already breathing it, that they are comfortable with it. Um, I know that, you know, when we first were talking about doing this episode and this topic, um, something that had come up was that, that you know, recently another one of the um, Million Dollar Mentors, you know, they, they are dealing with a new technology coming out in their system right now, and they don't like it. Okay, and once you're in, you know, you're in and you have to stick with it, um, but assuming it's a designated vendor, an acquired vendor, um, but, you know, you really want to ask, um, you know, and look at the FDD, right, in, in item eight, in the FDD, there are disclosures, okay, about, you know, what kinds of topics, at least, you know, you're required or you may be required um, to, you know, use their designated or, you know, suggested supplier. Um, so, so look at building on that a little bit for, for new people, what, um, in terms of a designated supplier or a suggested supplier, are there benefits sometimes to using, I mean, a designated, you don't have a choice, but in suggested ones, do they have benefits? Do they have better rates? Do they have more benefits? What kinds of things often are included with that that's going to benefit me as a franchisee? You know, I, I tell clients um, when, when we talk about item A, we talk about, you know, looking at the, the vendors, right? Um, you know, having a good list of vendors is part of why you're buying a franchise. <laughs> uh, you don't I mean, want to go through, right, you don't want to go through the hassle of, oh, which POS system is best, right? Mm -hmm. Which online ordering platform actually is best or has a more competitive rate, right? Um, you know, it's, it, it, these are not questions that as a owner of, you know, a single franchise, you know, a new franchisee, or even an owner of usually, you know, maybe five or 10 stores that you want to be dealing with. Um, you know, there are economies of scale, right? There are benefits to having uh, somebody else, you know, and negotiate. Um, so, it, you know, usually there are indeed benefits. Um, some of them may be that they can get more competitive pricing like you were alluding to, right? Um, and some of them may just be that, you know, they've already gone through um, and done a lot of negotiation. Um, like something that Ray was talking about earlier on the panel, I think it was Ray, was, um, you know, that for just a little bit more money, if it's negotiated properly, you know, with some service vendors, they'll provide more support, right? You know, like, in you know, if, if you need, um, you know, if whatever it is is broken, you know, outside of traditional business hours, and or you really want them to fix it outside of traditional business hours, so that way you can be open again, fully functional <laughs> uh, during traditional business hours. Um, you know, is that covered? Is that in your plan? Right? You know, it's sort of like buying insurance. Are you buying the good insurance? Or are we buying, you know, the crummy insurance, right, that we regret later? Uh, so, you know, I've, when, when I've worked with franchisors, you know, it, there's varying approaches. Some of them will go the extra mile. They will. I mean, I can remember going 10 rounds with a particular, um, you know, it, what was it, like loyalty program provider, you know, and they were willing to negotiate, but it took us a while to get there. Uh, mm -hmm. But the franchisor was not willing to settle for less, right? They knew that they wanted it to be a certain way and they wanted certain what are known as service levels, you know, is where you get that, um, you know, response time. Yeah, well, and, you know, another thing that when you think about it is that when a vendor or a supplier is used to working with a franchise brand, 
they are familiar with their compliance requirements, with their marketing and branding, with, with the way that business is done. So it, that that is even going to be an educational point for you as a new franchisee, yeah. to be able to have someone you can lean on who already knows how to walk the walk and talk the talk, right? Yeah, we see that a lot, actually. Um, you know, a common example is for the required insurance coverages, right? You know, none of them are usually too burdensome. You know, the point isn't to make you buy super expensive coverage you don't need. Um, the point is to make sure you do have coverage, right? Um, so, you know, you might have to buy, a, you know, $1 million, you know, coverage for, you know, general, you know, general commercial liability. Okay. Uh, and you might have to buy this and this and this and this and this, you know, there's like a list of 10 different coverages, right, that are um, required because they're frankly what you need as, you know, an established business. It's much simpler for the franchisee to go to whatever the designated or suggested vendor is from the franchisor and say, hi, I need a quote for, um, you know, ABC franchise, you know, I'm with them. Can you just tell me what it'll be? And they can tell you instantly versus if you take that and you go shop it, you know, you're, I mean, not that you can't, but it's just going to be a lot more work, right? Um, I have clients that do it, you know, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're necessarily even getting a better rate. You know, they just, they're those people who would shop anything, right? <laughs> they love to haggle. They always have a guy. <laughs> yeah, or they love to haggle, you know, they, they just, you know, it's like, it's like an identity. Um, so it's, you know, it just depends on who you are. Um, but there are well, definitely about embracing the idea of franchising, which is not reinventing the wheel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's about the proven concept and following that concept so that all of those things are, are easier for you and, and kind of grease the path. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think I've said it before on here, but, you know, the people who are the best entrepreneurs where they want to come up, you know, they have tons of ideas that are just bouncing off the walls like crazy. They're usually the worst franchisees because they uh-huh. don't enjoy following a system. They don't enjoy being you know, in the little box that has, you know, four choices for where you get your insurance. You know, they would rather go out. They would rather find their own POS. They would rather build their own technology um, versus, you know, the franchise model, which is, you know, rinse and repeat, basically. Right. So when you're meeting, when you're doing your due diligence and you're doing your validation calls and you're meeting with an attorney to go over the FDD, um, would this be an item where you would spend a little bit of time before you um, dig too deep? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's worth having discussions with because, you know, especially as technology becomes more and more prevalent, right? You know, we we had our technology episode um, recently. You know, technology costs are increasing um, so much now. Is you know, every FDD that I see, you know, is like there's a $250 technology fee, and then oh yeah, and you pay for you know this vendor, you know, $100 a month, and this vendor $50 a month, and this and you, know, you have to understand, right, what all of those little costs are um, when you're doing your own cash flow, right? Because if you, you know, you're, they're going to catch up with you if you mm-hmm. don't. And so um, both for just, you know, a, you know do, you, do other franchisees like the quality of the vendor, but also understanding, can I afford the number of vendors <laughs> um, on an ongoing monthly basis for the return that I want to see? Yeah. Laura, great information as usual. If anybody has any questions related to the FDD and item eight and uh, the vendor supplier franchisee franchisor relationship, feel free to reach out to us on pillarsoffranchising.com and we can put you in touch with Laura. Thank you so much for the great information as usual. Of course, thank you. 
Hi, I'm Elizabeth Denham, the Chief Content Officer for Pillars of Franchising. And I'm telling you that um, because I am always looking for people with a great story in the franchising space. If you have a great story that you would like to share either in the magazine or on the show, you can fill out our contact form on pillarsoffranchising.com. Also, while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the magazine. Um, you can choose all of the services that you might be interested in if you're looking to buy a franchise, sell a franchise, become a franchise, if you need mentorship, and if you need to get the word out about your business, we have a lot of a variety of sponsorships for you. So be sure to visit our website, like, subscribe, and share this show. And we appreciate every comment and every engagement that you offer. Um, so be sure to visit our website at pillarsoffranchising.com. We would like to thank you all for joining us today on Pillars of Franchising with guests Paul Rocchio, Justin Mink, and Matt Goebel. Please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode online. Thank you, as usual, to Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentor, Laura Liss, our franchise attorney, Fred McMurray, our producer, uh, Ray Pillar, our trustee host and other Million Dollar Mentor. I'm Elizabeth Denham, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here. Yeah.